Let's talk about the wrath of man. Now, I have long been and perhaps am the only true Guy Ritchie fan. He gets a lot of flack from a lot of different sides, from both cinephils and non-cinephils alike. There's something about his films that for some people, for, for some reason, people just don't enjoy. And I genuinely do not understand why. I do not understand the logic of why people don't like his movies so much. Sure, they might not be cinematic, cinematic masterpieces. He might not be the next Tarkovsky or Orson Welles or Agnes Ferda, but his films have always, to me, been very enjoyable. Gentleman was a great time. His version of Aladdin is, I think, better than the original Aladdin. Although the ending has quite a few problems, but the ending of the original also has a few problems, so I'm not exactly complaining on that end. I find his films to be fun. Now, I haven't seen a ton of his films. I certainly haven't seen a lot of his early older films and to be honest the first Guy Ritchie film I saw was Aladdin. I knew about Robin Hood and I know people didn't like that film but I thought that film was going to be interesting. I never really watched it because I was kind of pushed away by the reviews at the time but watching Aladdin I had a lot of fun and I did not understand why people didn't like Guy Ritchie and so that's when I saw The Gentleman which was just a great time from everyone involved. It's crass and manly and just very um him it's very guy Ritchie, and you know having only seen a couple of his films he has such a unique way of making films that is really just him and no one else and i i genuinely admire that so coming into wrath of man i was pretty excited and on top of that this is the first film i've seen in theaters in 2021 this is the first film i've seen in theaters in probably six or eight months so i will say that this review will be very much affected by the fact I saw it in theaters. And not only in theaters, I saw it in what was called the Marquee Extreme Experience, which is basically just like a fancier movie theater. It's not like IMAX level, but it's kind of like the in-between of IMAX and your regular theater. The sound design was Dolby Cinema, which was just absolutely spectacular. And having this be my first film experience in a theater in 2021 was a great choice because the sound design on this film is just absolutely incredible and to be honest even if you have the best headphones in the world it just is not the same experience as going to the theater. I think sound is the big difference now between watching a movie at home and watching a movie in a theater. Visually you can get almost the exact same or even a better picture at home but you're never gonna get quite that sound design at least no time soon in the future. So going to this film I was very excited and I got to watch some trailers which I haven't been able to like watch trailers in a theater which to me is one of my favorite parts of the movie theater experience. I love trailers. I adore them. I'm no good at making them. I don't really understand them. But I love watching them and so to get to watch trailers before this movie also made for a better experience. And so our film opens on a drone shot which there's a lot of them in the film and coming in, I was a little frustrated by that. I know, uh, you know, in your first day of film school, they tell you, you know, basically the way you get into a shot is you have a wide, a medium, and then a close-up. Typically, you have a, a wide to establish your scene, and then you go to a medium, and then you go to a close-up. 
I never liked doing that. I it feels very lazy filmmaking and sure it kind of gets you where you need to be but I was never really a fan of that kind of filmmaking and in my early films you'll see that I don't start with a wide or I don't really have establishing shots because I just don't find those shots interesting. I think cinema every single shot every single moment needs purpose needs meaning and I don't think establishing a scene really matters all that much especially in the 21st century. Maybe 60 years ago this was more important but we have such a film grammar as not only filmmakers since pretty much everyone's a filmmaker nowadays but as viewers of cinema we just understand in the way that we used to not to and I I lean on that when I make my own films and it's frustrating when you start a film and it's kind of an establishing shot so I'm not a huge fan of that but that's how our story begins. And we cut to Jason Statham going through the rigmarole of being hired by this basically a middleman between the government and say private institutions. They, they're cash trucks. They basically take cash from one place to another. And of course this is Jason Stathmos giving his, you know, Jason Stathmos, is that even I pronounce his name, performance. Uh, although I, I do think Jason Stathmos is a clearly athletic actor and, um, you know, does very good stunts and is an interesting actor. I think all of his performances are kind of the same. And that's not to say this is a bad performance. I don't think any of his performances that I've seen in it have been bad performances. I just don't think the performances are anything more than just um, him just being him. I, I think I'm similar to like a, a George Clooney or a Brad Pitt where a lot of the time they're experience is just kind of playing themselves and when you just play yourselves act right you're just the cool collected guy it's not my favorite thing in the world but Jason Statham gives his most in this performance as I think he does with all of his performance even if that performance is kind of this quiet cool collected you know perfect human being which you wonder you know is it a chicken or an egg situation is the situation so that Jason Stathmos is known as this actor and so he's typecast in films or is he playing these roles because that's what he's good at? You're not really sure which came first. Is he being typecasted or does he just always play this role? So I, I don't really put all of the blame on Jason Stathmos, but at the beginning of the film we see him, you know, this quiet, cool, mysterious man who does just good enough in his whatever, his, his, his training to pass. He gets exactly 70% which feels a little odd and you can and perhaps and this is one of the things that I, I will say that trailers often ruin is if you watch the trailer which I did coming into this film even though I don't like to do that a lot I did watch the trailer for this film which is it's kind of irony I, I love watching trailers but at the same time I hate watching trailer for a film I'm going to watch because I feel like it ruins the film but I did watch the trailer for this film and so I knew this was supposed to be kind of a badass perfect gunman so I didn't really understand this beginning or rather I knew that he was kind of faking it. I already figured out the plot twist before the plot twist even ha even happened even though it does happen quite early in the film it is frustrating that a trailer like this ruins it which of course I understand that the director really doesn't have or even the production company really doesn't have any say in the trailer that's typically outsourced to an entirely different company which just makes trailers it's just a little disappointing and so I'm, I'm a bit confused at the beginning. I think, oh, well, he must clearly be like hiding something, right? There, there's some sort of mystery, mystery behind this. And you, you see him go through like his first day and he's not really well liked. And he goes on his very first mission or cash truck mission. 
thing, if you will, and they they basically do this really intelligent thing as filmmakers, which is, or at least Guy Ritchie does and, and his film team does, where the first one is kind of a run-through. It's basically to lay down the rules, to establish this world. You know, this is how we get money. This is how we put it in. This is how we get into the facility. You have to show, everyone has to show their face. Everyone has to do this, everyone has to do that. You've basically established the rules. It's a way of making exposition without actually doing the exposition. And this is why filmmakers and films so often love characters that are sort of out of their depth or inexperienced characters because it's an easy excuse to add exposition because you and the character alike are living in a world that they don't really understand is what has to be explained to them and it's done in a pretty entertaining and fun way that does have that sort of Guy Ritchie flair to it. So they go through this original rigmarole, nothing really comes of it. They clearly don't really like Jason Stathmos. They go to a bar and they're all playing pool and before they go to play pool, Jason Stathmos stares at everyone's kind of key card and it, it's kind of like a weird moment and you think, oh, he's, he's on to something. He's, you know, he's reading. And again, this goes back to having seen the trailer. I know that his son has been killed and some other things. And like, I know that they think it's an inside job. So I'm like, oh, he's looking for the bad guy, which again, having seen the trailer, I think kind of ruins this experience a little bit. I think if I'd come into this blind, this beginning would be a little more entertaining for me. And then especially, say, people watch this 10, 20 years from now, I think it'll be a much more entertaining experience than I had with this beginning. So he looks at all these things. We later find out that he's actually taking pictures, which, yeah, that makes sense. And they go play pool, and it is clear that Jason Stathmos is not there to make friends. He's not a friendly person. The only person he really likes is Bullet, who is, uh, at least I know him from Mindhunter, an incredible actor, and... You know, quite literally shaped like a bullet. He's just this, well, I don't even know if a bullet, maybe a shotgun bullet, because this, he's just a giant man, and he just plays his roles so well, and you, you immediately come to like this guy, and there's not really that good of a reason why, at least I like him so much, or why the viewer shouldn't like him so much, but he just seems like a really likable guy. And so they're playing pool, and it's clear that Jason Stathmos has kind of taken the job from someone else. It was originally someone else's job, but they don't have it anymore, which kind of pisses them off. And I understand why they would be angry at Jason Stathmos. And you think there's going to be more conflict between the two, but after this one scene, there really isn't, which I think is one of the missed opportunities of this film. I think there are a lot of opportunities to complicate the relationship between him and the other people there, which they don't really get into because they're, well, they're more interested in a lot of other things, which... I guess is perfectly fine. And so the next day he goes, or a week goes by, however much time goes by, and he goes on another cash truck delivery, whatever, and on their way they basically get ambushed. They have kidnapped one of the guards people who works at Fortico, the middleman company, the company Jason Stathos works for who they just call H in the film, so I guess they should probably refer to him as H for the rest of the film, but probably won't. Bullet gets kidnapped, and the other guy, the man with the mustache, I don't really know his name, is absolutely terrified. And up to this point, he's kind of been like this, oh, super cool, kind of macho badass, but in the moment where he's actually supposed to do something, he's absolutely terrified, which is a funny, quirky moment, and something that I love about Guy Ritchie films is they're equally dark and absolutely hilarious. I was quite literally laughing out loud through most of this film, which is an experience I really only get in theaters. I think at home I kind of lose some of that humor, but when I'm in a theater, I think it's hilarious, and I think Guy Ritchie is a really 
funny writer and I think this juxtaposition of this total badass with this kind of wink weakling of sorts is not only funny but realistic and I think that's why it works because if you know he continued to be a badass I, not only does it feel unrealistic it just is not entertaining and so this juxtaposition is really nice and of course Jason Safemos or H being badass as he's like no, no 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 we're gonna do this and so they drive to basically the drop-off area and Jason and H I'm gonna keep calling Jason Safemos H is throwing bags into the truck and one of them misses the truck. The bad guys, the hunchmen, the goons, whatever you want to call them, are pretty pissed off because they're like, look, all you have to do is put them in the truck. Like, it's a, it's a really easy job. So one of the goons steps out, and H pulls off this incredible move where he's throwing a bag, and as he throws it, bam, shoots. Now, I will say, if I was the goon at that moment, you kill, you kill Bullet. Right? You shoot Bullet in the head at that moment because this, isn't, this doesn't seem to be the same team that... Uh, Bullet ends up being a conspirator towards at the end of the film, which I guess the spoiler, though all these reviews are spoilers, so I don't know. But I don't think it's the same team, so I don't really understand why at that moment, right? He sees the guy get shot. There's a guy holding a gun to Bullet's head. You, you shoot him in the head, don't you? Like, isn't that just the move? Now, I know, like, for plot purposes, they can't do that. But why don't they do that? Which, that, that, that kind of bothered me. But otherwise, the action scene is incredibly fun, and Guy Ritchie has some really incredible wonners in this film that are just really well thought out. And I think, honestly, the camera movements and the camera angles and the action scenes as a whole are just a lot of fun in this film. I think this is where Guy Ritchie really shines. He really is an action filmmaker, and I think there are so many action filmmakers that really don't know how to make action scenes. They're so obsessed with getting cool shots, they're constantly cutting, and you never know what's happening. But what I think makes such Guy Ritchie such a great director and a director I really enjoy is he understands the action scene in a way so many other filmmakers don't. Honestly, he understands an action scene the same way a Kurosawa understands action scenes, which is you establish a scene, you establish where everyone is, and you are always aware of how to cut and how to put your angles and how to create a suspenseful moment. And even though Jason Statham or H, whatever, is a total badass and you never really think that he's not going to make it right he's basically dodging bullets at this point it's so fun it's so entertaining that you don't really care that much and you're willing to buy into the sort of absurdity into the whole thing and i have this tendency to laugh during violent scenes which makes me probably seem like a psychopath but i'm laughing because action scenes to me are just the most i think they're the most cinematic thing that you can do and so when i see that i just and filled with joy and in this scene I was absolutely filled with joy and so H basically brutally murders every single person here and that's when our other characters realize that wait a minute this H character isn't who we thought he is he's not someone who's barely passing this is a guy who is an expert shooter and they actually go and ask him about this they say you know I don't understand you know you barely passed your tests and yet here you are an expert shooter and then we cut to our next I suppose act and basically what's interesting about this film is each act is separated by uh, black cards and so within each act there's right there's basically a, a title to each act and that's basically just something that they say in the uh, script at some point that they kind of use for the whole area it's sort of like a motif or a theme and 
right before we cut to this act, we do a, a three months later, which is not something I'm all that interested in. Like, why do you need to tell us that this happened then or that happened that? Although later I understand why they do this, because the timeline is sort of confusing, and I don't think honestly needs to be as confusing as it is. I think you can cut out all of the three months, the three weeks, the five months later, all that stuff. I think we could figure it out if you just continue the process and just don't tell us about those in-between moments. Anyways, they cut the three months later and the cash truck gets robbed again. But when Jason Stathmos steps out of the cash truck, the people just run away, which again is just sort of hilarious. And you buy into it because you're like, oh, well, I guess H is this sort of, you know, heroic, legend-like figure. And you're not really sure what's going on, but it's absolutely hilarious and a really good time. And this is when we cut to our next act, which is where we learn the backstory of H. This is where we meet H's son. This is where we learn that H is actually not... Uh, someone who has been working in security for the last 20 years, which, yeah, you kind of expected that part. But you learn that he is the head of some mob, mafia sort of thing. It's not really clear what exactly they do or buy. Maybe they work in something in the black market that's never really cleared up. It, at, at least not in uh, the sex ring, which, you know, is good that they don't do that. Possibly they sell drugs or guns. Again, that's not really ever clarified, but you don't really need to. And this is where we see the tragic death of the son. And basically the way the son dies is, and, and there's a film box review that is really enjoyable, which basically says the entire plot of this film is based off the decision that Jason Stathmos goes and buys two burritos, which is, yeah, true. Because Jason Stathmos has to uh, be a lookout for one of his crew because they also break into cash trucks. I guess that's their that's how they make their money, which apparently there's a lot of people doing this, at least in this world, which is fine. I guess you can buy into that. And so he goes to his food truck and he has to take his son because they're about to go to a game. He doesn't have time to like drop him off. Although I guess he could have just gone and then just come back for him. Probably would have been a smarter move, but then his son wouldn't be dead. And so the story wouldn't work. So he takes his son thinking that it's kind of a low risk situation. And he goes to get those burritos, and as he does this, a robbery takes place of the cash truck. And when the robbery takes place, the son is killed. Now, this is actually the opening scene of the film. Before we meet Jason Stathmos, there is a robbery scene, this robbery scene, which we actually see maybe four or even five times. We see the same scene multiple times from different angles. And what's interesting about this opening, going back to the opening scene, is it's basically one a one and it all takes place inside the truck, which at the time I thought that's a really interesting and odd way to show this experience. Why wouldn't you cut out to outside of the truck? Of course, we later learned that this will be shown later and there needs to be a way to separate the scenes. So keeping everything inside the truck from this perspective actually makes a whole lot of sense. And we learn here that H's son dies. He's killed basically as um, just a moment of stupidity from one of the bad guys. You can clearly see that's going to be the guy that survives and that's going to be the one that kills everyone else. He's the one who's constantly just against everyone and constantly just not doing what he's supposed to do. And so that's how this act ends and we go to our next act called uh, Bad Animals Bad, which I don't know why I remember this the name of this act and the name of none of the other acts, but I do remember the name of this act. I guess the act before it was called Scorched Earth. It's a weird thing to remember, but I do remember this thing. 
And so after uh, H's son dies, before we get to the next act, Bad Animals Bad, H basically asks for Scorched Earth, and they're just killing every single mob, mafia, pretty much anyone out there. They're killing everyone they can find, and, you know, they're working at a loss for a long time, and you can clearly see that H is just getting angrier and angrier and angrier, and there is a meeting between him and his henchmen, which I really enjoy and just shows Guy Ritchie's incredible eye for directing, just the way the shot is set up. You have uh, H in the front, and then you have a henchman here, a henchman back here, and a henchman here. Uh, honestly, it reminds me a lot of Michelangelo Antonioni's work and just the way he is able to frame a scene by just having people stand in different places, and it just works in a wonderful and beautiful way. And this is where he says, I want a scorcher. Just kill everyone you can. And that's what they do. And as you can imagine, there isn't a lot of money in killing other mobsters. It really just makes more enemies for yourself. And at a certain point, his, I don't know, second command basically points us out. And he's like, look, we've been hemorrhaging money for months now, and we've found absolutely nothing. And this is where you get this incredible, and one of my favorite action sequences or montages, which is played to this um, weird John, I mean, weird version of the Johnny Cash song. Uh, I hear the train a-coming, it's coming down the bend. I haven't seen the sun since God knows when. What's interesting, though, is I'm waiting for the moment that they, they bring the most important part of the song, which, of course, at Folsom Prison Blues, I'm waiting for the moment where they say the line, which, of course, is cheered in the live version of the song, where he says, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die, which is kind of what's going on here. At this point, H is killing people just to kill people. He's killing people just because he's angry. He's not really searching for justice at this point. And they never use that line, which is weird and interesting. Honestly, kind of a missed opportunity, although I do love this montage, and it's perhaps my favorite part of the film, perhaps because I love Johnny Cash, perhaps because I love a good montage, because I love action sequences. I don't know, but I think it is a pretty much perfect montage and if for no other reason, bumped up the score of this film. So we get past this, we realize that H is not going to find him, and that's the end of the act. So then we get to our next act, Bad Animals Bad. And this act is focused on the guys who break into the cash truck and end up killing the son. And what I like about Guy Ritchie is he's not really concerned about good guys or bad guys. He kind of has this sort of moral ambiguity that I know a lot of people don't like because people love their Star Wars. They love to think that they are good guys and there are bad guys. Some people are just all good, some people are just all bad. This is why people don't like The Last Jedi. They don't like The Last Jedi because they think that Lou Skywalker has always been and will always be a good guy. But the fact is that good guys do bad things all the time and bad guys do good things all the time. And I think Last Jedi is really the only film in the Star Wars series that is willing to sort of explore goodness and badness and how people change and the fact that Luke Skywalker was going to kill Kylo Ren makes a whole lot of sense but that's not really what this film is about it's about of course Guy Ritchie's characters and at this point he's showing that these are people with families and these are people that you really come to like now you don't really ever like the guy that kills H's son he's just kind of a terrible person and sort of stupid on top of that too but you come to like all the other characters, you really, you know, you're sort of rooting for them. And after the scene, when we get to our last act, which the last act is basically just the, the robbery of the actual 
place where all the money is kept, not any of the cash trucks, but where all the cash trucks keep the money, which is like, I mean, they're basically robbing a giant fortified bank, which is just absolutely insane. But when this robbery goes down in our final act, I have to admit that I was rooting for them to survive. I wanted them to make it. Now, of course, I wanted the guy that killed H's son to die, but I didn't really want any of the others to die. I want them to sort of break out. It's sort of like an Ocean's Eleven sort of thing where you're rooting for the bad guys. There's no good reason they should root for the bad guys. You should be rooting for, I don't know, the police or what have you, but maybe it's, um, I don't know, my my inner uh, rebelliousness, or maybe it's because I'm still young, but I'm not rooting for this, you know, giant government company. I'm rooting for these robbers, which, yeah, are killing people left and right, which isn't great, but you're still sort of rooting for them. You're kind of hoping that they win, and so then you kind of have the opposite ends, where you have H on one side and the robbers on the other. Of course, this is where we learn that Bullet is indeed a works with the bad guys or the robbers and has been taking money under the table. And you can see on H, this is perhaps Jason Statham's almost only moment of any sort of like emotion. I, I really wish he would have given in more at this moment, though I understand that perhaps with the direction he may have not been able to do that, but I will wish for a little bit more at this moment, a little more emotion. I get that he's angry, but I also want to see the other emotions that go with it. And so the robbery goes down and it is once again, Guy Ritchie at his best. It is an action sequence that is very well thought out. Every single thought, every single moment is thought out. And they're cutting between the actual action sequence itself and the planning of the action sequence, which is a really intelligent way to do it because what so often happens is we have a plan, 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 and then the pulling out of the plan. But the problem is like sitting around for 10, 15, 20 minutes listening to people talk about plan just really isn't that interesting. And while it has been done well before, uh, there's this incredible uh, film where they break into a safe that I can't think of the name right now. I believe it's a French film. And they spend like 20 minutes talking about the plan and it's absolutely brilliantly done. And it can be done, but to be honest, in a modern film, it's really challenging to do. And I get why Guy Ritchie kind of avoided that by sort of cutting between that and the actual action sequence itself. So Jason Stathmos, or H, is tied up and thrown in with the other people that work there. And the alarm goes off and shooting is going on. Everyone, everyone is shooting everyone. They're cutting between the plan. And of course, as part of this plan, Jason Stathmos sort of gets away. He kills one of the guys. He disguises himself in what is basically just a full body. I don't even know how to describe it. It's sort of like a, a full body armor sort of thing that's apparently bulletproof, which... Um, I guess it's just something you have to buy into. Like, it's one thing to buy into, like, say, oh, they can take a bullet or two, but saying that they can take machine guns, I guess it's fine, although it does make it a little less interesting, and I will admit that it sort of lowers the stakes because it's so much harder to kill them. But I get that, you know, they want to come prepared as possible. And so H is slowly killing them off one by one by one. And after he kills one of them, you can see this sort of ringtone and he puts his phone into one of the money bags, which at this point you're not really sure why he does or the reason that he would do that. But he does indeed do that and he goes off and kills more and more of the robbers. Of course, two, three of the robbers get away if you include Bullet and and the, the Sarge, as they call him, the leader of the robbers is dying at this moment and he and 
the man who killed H's son have always kind of been at odds. They never really liked each other all that much. And when they get to what is basically their escape route when they're about to go underground, our, uh, the robber who has killed H's son kills Sarge. Which, yeah, you expect, but it's kind of just cruel for no reason because the guy's bleeding out. He's going to die anyway. So really, it's almost like a mercy kill, but they don't like shape it as a mercy kill. They make shape it as kind of like dark and dangerous. And so these two are getting away and they're loading up the Prius, which is just silly, but I get because like who would ever pull over a Prius? They're loading up the Prius with what is $150 million because they don't have to split it with anyone because Bullet and the guy who killed H's son are the only ones left. And you see Bullet sort of loading his gun. He's basically going to betray the other person because of course he is because it's $150 million and there's a huge difference between $75 million and 150. You know, when there's six people, there's not a whole lot of difference between, you know, killing one or killing four people. It reminds me a lot of the opening scene of the Dark Knight with the Joker and they're all going to break into this bank and they all end up killing each other <laughs> because they all want the money and they're all told, well, you know, once it's done, I'll kill you and I'll kill you. It's kind of a similar thing, although perhaps not as well done as it is in the Dark Knight. So Bullet goes to kill the other guy, but he is too slow. H's, which you kind of, again, expect the guy who kills H's son gets away. And then you're not really sure what's going to happen next. So you see him at home with 160 million some dollars and he's basically gotten away he's free he can do whatever he wants for the rest of his life and then we hear this cell phone ring a cell phone ring that we actually heard back at the robbery a cell phone ring that we actually heard when jason statham was putting his phone into the bag and that's when we get that classic scene which you always love to see which is our bad guy turns around and the good guy turns on the light and he has been sitting in an armchair the whole time obviously kind of playing into the sort of cheesiness of it and the silliness of it, but we love it. And Jason Stathamos goes into this whole thing of, you know, how you killed my son, you killed his, you know, you first shot him in the liver, then the lungs, then the spleen, and then the heart or something like that. And then Jason Stathamos kind of gets his moment of revenge and kills him. And he doesn't take any of the money. And so he goes down, and so he kills him. He goes down to the lobby and we see one of the other characters of the film talks to them and says, I'm done. I got what I wanted. And he doesn't take any money and he just walks away. Now I'm going to be honest, I'm not entirely sure who this other character is. I know he's there earlier in the farm film. I'm not sure if he works for the police, maybe, or if he works for the FBI or the CIA, or if he works for one of the other mob bosses. I'm going to be honest, I didn't really understand that part of the film. It's just something that kind of is in the beginning of the film, but then they kind of just leave until the very end of the film. So I'm not entirely sure how the film ends, but you do know that H gets his sort of revenge. And that's how the film ends, and it ends with another drone shot. And when I saw this final drone shot, I realized something that I did not realize at the beginning of the film, because I was complaining about how I do not like aerial shots or expositional shots. What I realized about this aerial shot is, wait a minute, one of their big moments is that they're being chased by a helicopter is that it's basically from a god this film's from a god's point of view it sees everyone everything which is kind of peculiar for a film typically it takes one perspective but this is sort of perspective from god it's from the perspective of someone who has no morals and i think this is why the film opens and ends on a drone shot it's not really about establishing where places are it's not about any sort of establishing at all what it is suggesting here is the moral ambiguity of this film, or 
life itself is that God really doesn't care. He doesn't think of good guys and bad guys. They're simply just people. And at the end of the day, all people are good and all people are bad. Of course, these people perhaps commit a lot more bad things and good things, but they all have their motives and they all have their reason. So out of 10, I would give this film a 7 out of 10. I think it's a really enjoyable film. I loved seeing it in theaters. I almost gave it an 8 out of 10, but the ending really didn't work so well for me. And there are just a couple of things that just sort of bother me, especially like, oh, here's three weeks later, here's five months later. I think it is more complicated than it really needs to be. Honestly, if you just took those words out, I think we could figure everything out. But otherwise, I love the film. I think it's a great action film. I really enjoyed seeing film, and I cannot wait to see another film in theaters.